Well, it's, um, it's a remarkable way to enter this time of looking at prayer, and we're going to do that here for a couple of weeks, and then some of us are going to be away uh, for a couple of weeks, as you know, a couple Sundays. Will Baxter will be taking my place up here, and, and you've always loved what he's done before, and I know you're going to love that as well. When I come back, they're going to be another look at prayer. So we're, we're giving it some good time here. We're not giving every discipline just one Sunday. Some of them require a bit more time. And when it comes to prayer, some of us, some of us can feel left out. And I want to talk to, to you there today. Sometimes our experience doesn't seem as positive as all of those prayer-answered prayers. And we've all, whether, whether we're honest or not is the only option here. Uh, whether we're going to say, yes, sometimes we get disappointed. Yes, sometimes we get a bit jealous because that person's prayer looked to be fulfilled and wonderful in a great and miraculous way, and yet this one, not. What's, what's going on here? It's all right to wrestle with prayer. It's all right to wrestle with God. The thing is, when you wrestle with God, at least you're in touch with him. It's when you quit caring that the pain and the separation begins. One of the things we need to remember about prayer is that God is not a cosmic vending machine. Your prayers are not coins, and that's a good thing. I have to remind myself of this very frequently. Please work with me on this. This is a very big concept, but once you get it, other things begin to make sense. If God answered all of my prayers, I'm just going to make this very personal. If God answered all of my prayers, I ask he did, who is God in that situation? I am, and he's my employee. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever met somebody who grew up getting everything they wanted as soon as they wanted it? How wonderful a well-rounded individual was that person? We are not God, and God does not want us to be spoiled brats, and God knows more about the universe than we do, we have to remember this as we pray. We are not giving an employee orders or filling in the wish book. For those of you that are younger, we used to have the internet, but it came in the mail. There, um, there were catalogs that came in the mail. Now, my wife's a designer. They still kill trees all over the world to send her catalogs. But for most of us, uh, back in the day, do you remember it was a Sears catalog and the Penny's catalog, and they came, and it was just, it was a massive celebration, and the kids would go in and they'd fold down pages around Christmas, because that's what they'd want right there. God's not a catalog. So what are we going to do with prayer? We hurt when our prayer experience isn't the same as somebody else's, that seems to be just really good at prayer, that phrase, put little quotation marks around there. Uh, they're good at prayer because when they pray, get, they get stuff. God does stuff, it seems, for them. Well, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that there are people that have uh, some sort of a connection with God at some level that I don't understand, that their prayers are answered a whole lot more than the rest of us. And please don't do that uh, little cop-out of, oh, he answers all of them, some he just says no. Let's, let's just lay that, to the, that's hurtful. Let's lay that to the side, shall we? Because if you're burying somebody, that's the last thing they want to hear. Is God thought about it and said, no. Hmm, don't do that. Instead, let's, let's confront this. Yes, there is a promise we read in Scripture. 
where Jesus says, if you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. I still maintain, I always want to see context. I always want to see what's going on. And he's looking at his apostles just as he's about to die, leave them, give them the church, the Holy Spirit's going to come. This is to them. I don't think he gave that to me in the same way that there's a passage in Mark that says, you can take up deadly serpents and they won't hurt you. And I don't think that applies to me. I am not going to test it at all. In fact, God did not even need the modifier there. He didn't even have to say deadly, any serpent. I am not picking it up. And I hear people say, oh, that one's just completely harmless. No, it isn't. Anything that can give you a heart attack <laughs> is, is dangerous, you know. And I've had people say, you know, if, we're, if you remove them, you'll be up to your eyeballs and mice. And I'm wondering, what kind of thought process do you walk around with? Moving on. I believe in prayer. I think prayer is mighty, and I think prayer changes things. But one of the first things it does is changes your isolation. As we go through these 40 days of fervent prayer, and now beginning this, to piggyback on it, and the 40 days will drop off about halfway through this, and this propel us forward, I want you to notice something about the prayers in Scripture that you're reading. Because I had to notice it. I had to go through and pull out the prayers and look at them. How did they pray? They seemed to really like it. So how were they doing it? And I noticed that most of them aren't me-focused. You know, give me a good day. Help me with this. Get me through this. Other. Instead, prayer is about the community and about the reputation of God. Saying, God, do this so that your name will be praised. Do this so that people will sing songs about you. I find myself doing what C.S. Lewis said many times uh, in different ways, and that is that I tend to pray, just get me through this day halfway happy. Do you ever pray that way? I catch myself, and I'll say, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Oh, I will. Prayer is community, and it connects you to the community, not the individual. It's not about that. There are times that we speak alone with our God, yes, but don't go there yet. Prayer is about the group because Jesus died for the group. And I, I've heard people say all, uh, all my church life, if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. I believe that that is true at some metaphysical level but if Jesus exists then you wouldn't be the only person on earth so it's a it's it's really a, a meaningless thing he came for us now that's not always comfortable for me I'm, a, I'm an introvert I'm a loner um, and I people all the time will say oh no you're here you're always walking around saying hi to people I know it's exhausting you're, <laughs> you're terrifying so you are and so afterwards, I go and I don't talk for a while. And I go quiet for a while. But I understand I need to connect. I need to be with people. And prayer helps me do this. Sometimes, yes, go pray in your closet. But even in the closet, I believe prayer is a community event. You're praying about the group. In fact, it's one of the fastest ways to build a community. I've told this story before, so I won't take time. We don't have a lot of time this morning. Uh, when I was, we were always moving as a child, always moving. There's a big backstory to that, not going there, but we were always moving. Therefore, I was always the new kid, always two years out 
uh, of age of everybody else in the grade and always sounded different because I don't have an accent that belongs to any country, people, nation, or tribe. I've, I just, it's been a, a, an accumulation through the years as you move about. And therefore, I was always the stranger. And it was always hell to go to school. You know, my dad had standards about how we were to dress and have short hair in the 60s. Not real popular. I remember waking up one day and depression hit me like a baseball bat. I was probably in the 7th, 8th grade. Because I realized it wasn't Saturday and I had to go to school. And I don't, it had to be God doing it because I don't have these big flashes of insight that often. I started praying for every kid in my homeroom and I didn't like them. Quite frankly, I didn't. I know I'm called to love everybody, but eh, it's a process. So I, I, I don't even like, and I'm, I'm working through. By the time, I noticed something about halfway through. By the time I got through with that, my attitude had shifted. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say, I leapt from the bed singing hallelujah and went into school and gave everybody a big hug. No, but I got through it. And I was able to start looking at the people there as people, not as problems, but as people. And again, a process, but that private prayer moved me into community. We pray for our waiters and waitresses. I know we just call them servers now, but there you are. We, we make contact with them. We build a bond between them. What would it do to your outlook and place in this community if you dedicated yourself every day in 2019 to pray for the shepherds of this church, to pray for Mark and anybody who helps up here on the praise team, to pray for the teachers that are downstairs. Many of them will never be able to come up and be in a worship service for the longest time but they dedicate themselves to your children, praying for them every day, praying for strangers and hoping one day they're not strangers, praying for the people in the pew, praying for the people you don't like even. What if all those prayers were done daily in community with the goal of establishing a larger community with others, especially your enemies? Let's talk about your enemies. Jesus didn't say, don't have enemies. He said, love the ones you get. Because it's really hard to go through the world without getting an enemy. It really is. I, I, I don't have a sticker on the back of my car that says, my truck that says, I'm a Christian, follow me to go see Jesus. I don't do that because sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes my driving is not perfect. I will give you a moment to absorb the shock. There have been times that I have had people declare to me that I am number one in a creative, visual way, and I deserved it. There are times you can't even drive to the, sh the shops without picking up an enemy. Jesus didn't say, didn't, don't have them. He said, pray for them. Pray for them. They're not going to be for you. That's all right. Pray for them. Eventually, the hope is that will bring them into your community. Now, I, here's where the transition is going to be really rough, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't consider the Muslims of Middle Tennessee to be my enemy in any way, shape, manner, or form. But they were strangers, and that's why I've rejoiced in working with Faith and Culture Center here in Nashville, where we actively pray for each other, we actively gather with each other to pray for each other, and now we are not strangers, we are community. We didn't, nobody gave up any of their beliefs about their God. 
Nobody, not a bet. But we learned how to work with each other instead of looking at the other. Now it's Isam, it's Abdul, it's Ibrahim. It, they are people to us. Prayer does that. But what if you struggle with prayer? I'm going to ask us to move and just skip right past the prayer of Jabez fantasies and self-centered prayer where everything we pray for we get. Or the vast long repetitions of phrases that have become magic to us. Don't do that either. That's, but, uh, and, and, however, saying that, what if you find yourself saying the same thing to God all the time? I've had people say, the Bible says you're not supposed to do vain repetitions. Yeah, there's a modifier there. If it's not vain, empty, useless, in other words, it still matters to you, say it. That's all right. Vain means you're just making noise. Don't just make noise. Talk to him. Here's the good news. God wants to spend time with you. When my grands come up to me and start babbling about, I don't even know half the things that they're talking about. One of my grandsons last night was going over every NFL that's still play in and who was going to do what and I didn't know half the names but I was happy he was talking to me it's a connection God wants to spend time with you God wants you to learn about him to, to learn to want what he wants you see prayer is not there to change the mind of God prayer is there to change our minds by bringing us into a circle where there is greater wisdom God's circle the community circle where more wisdom will help put us on a better path. He wants you to see the world the way he sees it, and prayer's where that starts to, starts to happen. So, here we go. Advice. Pray step by step. Think about this for a little bit. Prayer is a journey. Life is a journey. Pray step by step. I had a talk with one of my grands last night, and I plan to have a longer talk with him later this week. He's nine years old, and he feels everything to the max. He is one of those kids that when he wakes up in the morning, he gets out of bed like toast. He's just, he's, there he is. And he is running about like a ferret on his third cup of espresso, and that's, that's what he does until he shuts down at night, and it's really like, and he's done. But while he's there, at basketball, basketball, basketball. Well, they played a team last night that was better than them and bigger than them, older than them. There was a chance to win it on the last shot. And my grand, he's good at the three-point, I'm told, range. That's far. He fired, bounced off the rim, and didn't go in. He was sitting over there crying, and I went and sat beside him talk to him for a bit and I said I know you think you missed the winning shot and he looked at me like I'm an idiot but he knows I don't know basketball so he's looked at me that way before and I've said see here's the problem that wasn't the winning shot we don't know where the winning shot was all of those other opportunities everybody else had were just as much the winning shot had they scored in the first period and said had they passed to somebody who was better closer the game would have been won it's not the last shot it's the entire process you have to look at I always feel so bad at you know, some high school or college guy they missed the field goal that could have won the game no I'm sorry there are a lot of other plays that could have won the game let's not hang that on the last guy on the field 
It's a process. Somebody's very excited about this. <laughs> Your prayer might not be answered, but it might be moving the ball. We don't know how God's going to finish the story. We, we tend to pray for the whole thing, though, don't we? We want Uncle Charlie, who's never shown any interest at all in God or religion, to become a devout Christian and go to New Guinea as a missionary. No, let's, let's do a little smaller. Let's do bite-sized prayers. Prayer is a process. Life is a process. We want a dysfunctional family to become a model of peace and love. I sometimes go in to see some bits of my family. I don't pray for us to have a very peaceful, just an easy, no... I, I say, let there not... We don't want to make the papers. <laughs> I, I just don't want to make the papers. There are other times where I, I talked... <laughs> I talked to one of my relatives recently, and I said, that kid's going to make the news. And we all just nodded. We, we just don't know which page. <laughs> it could be good or it could be evil. We just say, by the process. Let's pray in process. We want the loved one with cancer to be completely he healthy. Pray for that, but also pray for that the time they have with their family is sweet and valuable, pain-free. And that there's joy in the journey. In John chapter 14 through 16, we're not going to read it obviously at this stage. In a, it's, it's a longer, longer day for us. There's so much going on. But he talks about process and journey. And that there'll be people to walk with you. He doesn't say pray and you'll be there. He says as you walk, there'll be a companion. The paraclete. They'll walk with you. Prayer is work. It's not a wish book. It's work where you are. What's the next step? What should we be praying about there? This is a journey that we are walking, but we're not walking it alone. We are with Jesus. I want to ask you a very hard question. If we are walking with Jesus, why do we expect better treatment than he got on his walk. The point of the journey is not that we have a grand old time. I would like that. I'm not lying. I would like that. That's not the point. The point is to grow up. Grow closer to God and be useful to him for whatever's happening next. God's got a next out there that we don't know that much about. So let's not expect better treatment than Jesus got from enemies, from life, don't expect not to die. All of these things. We, we, we're on a journey with a man who went to a cross. Came back, yes. But he went to a cross. Let's remember this. And a man who also turned to us and said, pick up your cross and follow me. It just shocks me how always surprised we are. And I'm saying we, please. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm in the boat. Two weeks ago, I got a cold. I was surprised. Shouldn't be. This was Hackers Anonymous. <laughs> People were coughing and everything else, and it was just, it, 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 there, are, there are Sundays when you pass the tray to me, and I'm going, ah. <laughs> it, it, it gets a little awkward, so it does. But I'm always surprised. I got a cold. How could, well, I know how it happened, but I'm really surprised it did. We are so silly. We need to remember the journey that we're on. And remember something else as well. 
the complete solution to every problem is Jesus Christ. And that has already been given. All the problems we pray about, the complete solution's already been given. All we're doing is working in the details. Working in the journey, daily from house to house. I like that phrase. And about that journey thing, and we're going to talk more about this next week, Lord willing. Unless one of you gives me another virus, in which I'll pray about you. Um, some maybe for you, but about you, certainly. When you go in to God in prayer, he wants to involve you in the solution. You've been noticing these prayers you've been praying through with the 40 days of fervent prayer. To Peter in prison, rise up quickly. You move. You're praying, move. To Gideon on the threshing floor. I love the line that the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, arise in the strength you already have and do this. Instead of saying, Lord, get rid of all these bad guys, he's saying, get up and do it. God wants you moving as you pray. A depressed Elijah is told, get up and eat. When Herod starts killing children, God doesn't tell Joseph, well, let's pray that you know, something bad happened to Herod. He says, uh, leave quickly, go. Philip was told, hitch a ride in that chariot. Hitchhiking was safer back then, kids. Don't, don't pull that now. When angels appeared and answered a prayer in Scripture, I want you to notice what they never give you. Start in Genesis. Go all the way to the book of Maps. Look at it. Maps is the last book in my Bible. <clears throat> Some of you have index or something. I don't know. Anyway, they are, Angels never leave you with the option of doing nothing. Every time angels appear, every time, inactivity is removed from your options. Move. Do this. Go here. Think this. Take care of this. It's move. They don't show up to do it for you. They say, get involved. Get on the team. Do it with us. Sometimes we'll say, God, would you bless them? How? How do you want God to bless them? Are you willing to be the conduit of that blessing? I think that's what God intends. That if you see somebody and they need blessed, go bless them. And say, bless them through me. Let's go, God. Let's go. When the disciples were worrying and wondering about how to feed the multitudes, Jesus turns to them and says, get them something to eat. How practical is this? Think about it. Now, and all the miracles, I've done all that story before. Here's the thing, though. Jesus doesn't turn to them and said, well, let's pray that God rain down food. He says, move. What do you got? Bring it into play. God will bring what he's got. You bring what you've got. We're going to work this together. And we're going to do it. C.S. Lewis said famously, it's always easier to pray for a bore than to visit him. God doesn't want you to pray about people. He wants you to engage. He wants you part of the work. So I'm going to say this, and I think, I think I'm all right saying this, but you can, you can correct me. I think sometimes the difference between those whose prayers are answered and those who get only more silence is that the former are more active and willing to be involved. They're going to move. They're seeking out a way to carry God's purposes out by any means that they've got. Active prayer is setting a, a rendezvous with God, saying, I want to do this too, God. 
this is important. Let's do this together. How can God meet that need? How, what does he want for this person? What does he want for this community? How can we wrap them up in the love of God? How can we show this person God is real? If you're only praying when there's a crisis, you might not be getting much out of prayer. If dropping to your knees is only because you're trying to dodge a blow, you're in trouble. Think about it. If God were to swoop in every time we had difficulties, we'd never learn how we got into a problem in the first place. And I would have been much better at trigonometry. I found, I, through an extensive series of experiments, that not studying didn't help. And sleeping with a book near you didn't help. God's not going to swoop in and save you from being silly or stupid. I know people don't like that word. It's a real word. It's in English. We're using it. Because I've been stupid, and I bet you've been that way too. A few weeks ago, I told you the two rules are, one, look like Jesus. Number two, don't be stupid. It's amazing how often that's been quoted to me by various people since then, and, and some of them rather hurtful but truthful ways. Have you ever heard of somebody who wins the lotto and a couple years later they're broke in debt, worse off than before? Somebody rescuing you all the time is not a good thing. You have to learn how to do it. You have to learn how to handle it. God's not there to make sure you never grow up. He's there to help you. And no good parent wants to subsidize their child's irresponsibility. I was talking to a, a group. We were doing this death and dying course. And one of the things I to told them, I said, very, very few of us die of natural causes. We die in bets and steps, one bet at a time, unraveling our lives through our habits and our choices. If you take a, um, I'm going to back up, just use this. One of, the, one of my favorite authors is Bill Bryson. He, he's not a Christian. He just writes about walking and traveling, and you'd think that sounds boring, but he's, he's laugh out loud funny, and I enjoy him. And he walked around Australia, which I would not recommend. It's big, but he did. And if you, uh, I think the name of the book is From a Sunburnt Country. And if you open it up, the first thing he starts with is, it is staggering how many things in Australia want to kill you. And he starts listing all the spiders, the snakes, the alligators, and everything. And it is terribly frightening once you, you read all of this sort of thing. What is, what is killing us is often, you know, some, they'll say, if you're sitting too much, that's killing you. If you're watching too much television, it's killing you. If you're looking at your phone, this kind of posture, that's going to kill you. If you eat this, that's going to kill you. And let's all of us back up and say, yes, there's validity to all of this, but we're all going to die. So what are we going to do between now and then? That's the important bit. What are our habits going to be? God wants us to learn from our mistakes. And that means sometimes we have to experience some consequences. And that us, maybe us as individuals, but it also might be the community. It's nice to be saved from disasters, but it's not really the point. We've all seen people's homes washed away by storms and floods, and then they build right back there. Now, sometimes, frankly, that's because that's, that's poor land, and it's the only place they can build. So let's not blame the victim. 
But when we look at this time after time, we're going, maybe we should back away from that. Maybe we should learn from this. God wants to do more than help us. He wants to transform us. If you look at John 14 through 16 and see what context the prayer and the promises were in, he's talking about not making things nicer for you, but bringing glory to the Father so that heaven can be brought in a reality to everybody about us. The coming of the Spirit, living in the Spirit, bearing fruit to God. It's all in there out of prayer. My, my advice would then aim what God is aiming at. Care about what God cares about. Maybe then our prayers will be better. If instead of making it all about us and our needs and our wants and like, and I might be speaking too generally here, maybe that's never the way you pray, so I'm just confessing, I find myself being very me-centered if I don't watch out. And I have a habit of not watching out. So, by the way, Dean, when you were thanking, thanking me for bringing this church into this great place of prayer and a few people applauded, I was thinking, up in heaven, there's some angels going, seriously? Because they know how hard it is for me to keep on track and to aim at what God is aiming at. Make spiritual growth the core element and the target of every prayer. Let the glory of God be the target of every prayer. So, if you'll stand, I'll give you a few more instructions and we'll sing and go to our classes. A little bit of advice. Break down your big problems into smaller steps. Pray about those. Move out of the couch potato school of prayer and into setting up a rendezvous with God. If you're highly cultured and you're not a couch potato, then you are a chaise tuber, but still get off the couch and move. Use prayer to learn from your mistakes and trials, not just to escape from them. And turn your prayers from yourself to the community daily, from house to house. We're all in this together, and that's the good news. For God loves us as a community of faith, bringing glory to him. Let's pray about that.